Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. So just going to put a picture up on the screen. This guy with an amazing moustache. He was called Franz Ferdinand, named after a band. Um, (laughs) And um, if you don't know, he was uh, like the Archduke. Um, Basically, he was the heir to the throne of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. And he was in Sarajevo with his wife, and they got assassinated in June 1914. And essentially... This guy being killed, along with his wife, was basically the catalyst to, to World War I starting. And what I, I don't love about it, but what is so true about it is, without belittling the fact that people have died, is that the death of two people, really just one person, I'm not trying to be sexist, but it's the heir to the throne, that was a trigger for a world war. And it's amazing not in a good way sometimes, how something so small can spark something so big, yeah? Because within days of this event happening, Austria, they declared war on Serbia because uh, the assassins, they were Serbian, so they declared war on them. So then what happened is that Russia, who were backing the Serbians, went, hang on, that's not fair, we're going to declare war on you. So they declared war on on Austria. Germany then get in the mix, and they're supporting Austria. So they decide, right, we're going to declare war on Russia. And then France, for some reason, then they had a pact with Russia, so they're going, oh, we're going to get in on this too, and we're going to declare war on Germany. And then Germany, they, they said to Belgium, would you mind ever so kind if we kind of came through your country to get to the French? The Belgians said no, and surprisingly, Germany said, well, we're coming anyway. And, um, and you know, they invaded Belgium so that they could attack France. And then so lastly, us Brits, we went, hang on, we're not happy with that. Germany coming into Belgium, quite right. That's not right, that's not on. It's not just cricket and all that sort of terminology that we used at the time. So then Britain goes and declares war on Germany too. And we all got involved and the whole thing spiralled from there. The war lasts four years and would see 20 million people die. 20 million, it's just like, you just say it and you think, all right, <laughs> that's been loads, isn't it? It's like, that's like two cities the size of London, I reckon, about now. And there's another 21 million people that were injured, that were casualties. And the reasons for these deaths wasn't, was largely down to this like, amazingly stupid new tactic that they came up with on both sides called trench warfare. And I, and I, I want to like, look at the picture there. We've got the trench. And I think this is going to resonate with us as we just go through the talk. Because you'll see from the picture that basically you kind of, well, you dig a trench and then you get in it so that you're hidden from the enemy and your enemy is is over there. They're probably no further away than the back of this room and you get down in your trench and you get your stuff, your ammo and just start firing stuff at people, at your enemies. And I remember when I was like 12 and I was in the scouts and once there was no leaders in the scout hut and we pulled all the filing cabinets down, all the cupboards at one end to the other and we literally hid behind them and just threw saucepans at each other and stuff like that. and, And it was just like painful and we got really told off. Because um, we, we dented loads of saucepans, unsurprisingly. But that's kind of what it was. They would just get in their trench and then just start firing. The thing is, what you do in, in trench warfare is you establish your position. This is where we're going to build our trench. This is my ideology. This is where I'm standing. This is my line. 
I'm now going to dig in on that line and I'm going to fire on everyone else that comes in front of me because this is my line. This is what I'm standing on. But you can imagine that like trenches, they're not like, it's not like tanks or planes. They're not really mobile, are they? It's like just like a load of people walking with shovels all over the place. Uh, and so because, partly because of this, and because of the, the whole stupidity of the war in one sense, the trenches meant that the, the lines didn't really change that much in, in, in the war. There wasn't much advancement. You know, not much got accomplished in the war, it has to be said, except there was a staggering loss of 20 million lives and another 21 million casualties. So if you were going to define it, you'd say it was tragic. <laughs> that would be a bit of an understatement, I think. But what happened is a few months into the war, on the Western Front in Belgium and, and in France, we had the first Christmas, and, and this is the video that you've just seen. The British, they could hear uh, the Germans singing carols, singing Silent Night, so then they joined in. And then in the light of day, somebody decided to be brave, and they climbed up out of their trench, up into no man's land, which is the area between the two trenches. This is not an area that you would normally go for. You'd get mown down if you went in it. There was probably quite a lot of bodies, dead bodies in that, in that area because people didn't get up there to sort of go and pull people out that often that had died. So that he got up and walked across no man's land towards the enemy because he decided to talk. And like the film showed, they, they gathered there on Christmas Eve. They, they talked, they ate. If you, if you were really observant, you might have seen someone getting a haircut. Uh, and they drank together, they played football. They said, like, I'm pretty sure the Germans won on penalties, but, you know, we'll go there. <laughs> um, standard. <coughs> but they did it. Why did they do that? Why would you get out and walk towards an enemy where you've got 10, 20, 100 people with a gun trained on you? They, they decided that neither of them wanted to fight at Christmas. Why? Because they were both Christians. Both sides were Christians. They found that they had something in common when they heard the Christmas carols being sung. That sounds familiar. That's how, that, we sing that as well. So neither of them wanted to fight at Christmas time, so they just instead looked at each other in the eye, talked, and just hung out. And the impact of this was pretty big, because the next day when they were sent back to go and start fighting against each other, then unsurprisingly, they didn't really want to go and start killing the people that had just been having food with yesterday. Because they'd realized that they'd met them. And they'd been told to hate them, but now they'd met them, they realized that we're just like them. And they had the same flaws and, and same makeup and same fears as anyone else. And in fact, the commanders had to be so strict, they had to relocate some of them to other areas of, of the trenches because they just wouldn't fight in that area. And then... Further on, they, they issued uh, really, really strong rules saying you can't fraternize, you can't hang out with the enemy, which kind of sounds obvious that if you're in a war, you, you don't go for the, to the drink with, you, with your enemy, but they had to put this law in, and, and basically you could be shot if you got caught fraternizing with the enemy, so it's the kind of thing that you're probably not going to go and do, because we know that if you know your enemies, then you probably will realize that they are just as flawed as you and me. <laughs> and you probably don't end up wanting to kill them anymore. In fact, you might just think, do you know what? Oh, I'm, 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 they're really going through it. Have you ever been really mad with someone? And then in your mind, then you, you talk to them and find out that what they're going through is, is just like, actually, get out of yourself, Tom. <laughs> like, they're actually really going through it. And here's you getting offended by one little thing. This is life. So then why am I going down this line? Because why have you come to church? Why am I talking about the First World War? That's something that finished 100 years ago. Because I think we live in a similar culture today. 
where small things escalate into big wars. Everyone has got their own opinion. We all dig into our own trenches with that opinion, and we start firing at anyone that comes against us. And kind of like just scattergun fire, really. We don't really care. We're not like really good snipers or anything like that. We're just like, just, just wherever. Anyone that disagrees with us. And he, social media is like the worst thing for this. You know, Facebook, Twitter particularly. But you see it everywhere. People with negativity just pouring out of them. People insulting other people, hiding behind that made-up name. People that get into their trenches and just start throwing ammo at others. And, like, social media is amazing. I love aspects of it. It's got so many good things to it, hasn't it? And it's cool how, like, you can get something in a snapshot from the other side of the world. And, and you can see now instantly what's going on in places. Um, you know, I, I, was, I remember thinking that this is weird that I, I heard about the the death of Osama bin Laden from retired Man United player Phil Neville <laughs> on Twitter and read that and thinking that's a bit weird and now also realising that it, now it's no longer weird that we would get news through like people that we would never expect to get news from. But what we've got is we've got like little deaths going on all over the place from this trench warfare in our society and culture today that we're now in. It's not just on social media but in our lives in general like we've got People who have been hit with so many metaphorical bullets, haven't we? Because it's not necessarily just like physical death, but death to relationships, death to families, to dreams. People have just, you've had a dream and people have just peppered away at that dream. And now you're just so unconfident that you can't do it. Because everyone's just shot you down, shot you down, shot you down. So businesses, the people are in the business of just starting rumors and gossip and all sorts of stuff and you don't realize the damage that it has in lives you know in the second world war they had this saying that careless talk costs lives and it's true like we have to be careful about what we say about things you know in proverbs 18 verse 21 it says this words kill and words give life there is a they're either poison or fruit you choose you choose because some of us have been so heavily wounded by the financial struggles of relationship breakdowns or, or, or whatever it is. And I want to suggest that Christmas is the time to change it. If there's ever going to be a good time, it's Christmas. In 1914, they called this the Christmas truce. That video that we just watched called the Christmas truce of 1914. And what they did there is they agreed not to fight. And I think we've got to put a bit of a truce in our lives too, yeah? So look at, how do we get to that? How do we get to a, a truce? The first thing is that someone's got to take that first step. Nobody likes to do that, especially when it's not your fault. Like, but we have to do it. We know that we have to do it. We've got to climb out of our trench and take that step, that walk into no man's land, and we've got to go for it. The second thing, if you're climbing out your trench, climbing up that ladder into no man's land... Here's one thing you can't do. You can't go up with your gun or you're going to get shot down. So number two is you've got to lay down your weapons. You've got to go with your hands up. Don't necessarily have to have a white flag, but you've got to go with your hands up, yeah? You've got to put your weapons down. Lay down your weapons. That way you can talk to each other, eat with each other, drink with each other, work it all out. The third point is this. Focus on what it is that unites us. In the video there, these soldiers, they were Christians. That's what united them. They were all singing the carols. They realized that there was a unity there. And so often in life, we, we have so many things focusing on what divides us, not what unites us. 
but do you know what? We're way, way more unified than we think. Even I, look, I look at politics as an example, and we look at the differences between the parties, and in terms of, I think most of the parties agree on like 80, 90% of the same things. But we don't look at that, we just look at what the differences are, and that's where we get excited. But actually, we're looking for the unity. But if we focus on what unites us, like these guys did, we'll be changed. It will. We will be changed. It's, it's as simple as that, in one sense. Three points done, I'll sit down. But... Um, <laughs> Someone said good. <laughs> Not so fast. But it is. That is it. That's the, these are the points that we need to take. But here's the thing. So often nowadays, who knows this term conflict resolution? Anyone ever done conflict resolution? No. You have to put your hands up. It's, it's not good. Long discussions. And then what we do is we apportion blame a little bit and like... And like we work out, and if I'm talking with Chance, and we'll be like, and, and, yeah, yeah, I said that, and you said that, and we should have done that, and we'll come, and we come over here, and you, you get closer into the middle, and we've just basically divided out who's to blame. Basically, it's how we do this conflict resolution. We try and work it all out together and apportion the blame. And here's the thing: if the First World War, Germany surrendered, but it was a mess at the end of the war there. And essentially, they did conflict resolution, and essentially, they just got it really, really wrong. Because what they did, they did is the French were really, really mad with the Germans, and they made them take way more blame than they should have done for the war. And therefore, Germany then got angry, and we get the Nazis. Because of conflict resolution, it doesn't work. Yeah, that's, it's a really, really like speed gun approach of like 20 years of history right there. But it just simmered, and it fanned the flames for World War II. But here's the good news. God doesn't do resolution. God does what Sophie just used the word before. God does reconciliation. God reconciles. So what's the difference? Well, if you know, like, reconcile, I looked it up in the dictionary, and there was, like, 15 definitions, so I thought I'm going to go with the one that I reckon is easiest to understand. And it's like a term which means bring back together. If you're in business, if you do finance, then you reconcile accounts. I'm getting a nod from Chris as an accountant. This is what you do, yeah? And basically what you, what you do is you go through and you'll be checking off, if you sent out loads of invoices for your business and you're checking off against the payments that have come back, making sure that they've all come back. Does it, does it balance back at the end of the day? Have they paid for every invoice that I've sent out? And so what you're looking for, what the dream is, is to get to zero. Zero outstanding. Everything's paid up. It's all settled. Nothing else to pay. We're not outstanding any debt to us, yeah? Or we don't owe anyone else anything. That's what God's in the business of. God's in the business of reconciliation. Because I think that we're, in our minds, we, well, not in our minds, just I think we all would say we want wars and fighting to stop, not just the physical wars, but the wars and divisions that are going on in our lives, in our society. The wars between uh, husband and wives, girlfriend and boyfriend, employer and employee, whatever that situation is, we want that to stop. And we want, we want people to be together at Christmas. Christmas is a time for people being together, for families and friends to be together in peace, not at war. I want to say that it's not too late, even this Christmas. If you're in a situation where you think, I need a truce in that relationship, and tomorrow's Christmas Eve, it's not too late. We want families back together. We want husbands and wives back together. We want uh, employees having a great relationship with their employers. We, we want to build great community we want dreams renewed. Who wants a dream renewed? Who's, who's looking? And we've got 2019's coming across really quickly. Two weeks away, is it? A week away. Flipping out. 
and uh, we've got dreams for the new year. And maybe those dreams have been dormant, but we want to re-energize those dreams. Let's get them going again. Let's pull our people, our community, our country back together again. And it can happen. It can happen if we do it God's way, not the world's way. We have a saying in global, we say, it's God's word, God's way. And let me tell you what that is. What does God's word, God's way say? It says this in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles, they're just the people that were fighting at that time. We could put conservatives and labor into that. You could put mom and dad. You could put whoever into that. Put whoever it is to you in that thought, into that, those boxes there. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled. Just say it, reconciled. Good, sounding good tonight. He reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. In resolution, there's always a winner and a loser. Even if it's only 5%, you know, all that, there's always a winner and a loser. When you reconcile, like Sophie said before, the slate is wiped clean. Jesus did not come to resolve our sins. There's no sit-down meeting where he's going to go, before you can come in, let's just have a little talk about this. Before you can become a Christian, you just need to um, just actually sort this thing out and pay me some money or whatever it is. There's no list. He came to reconcile. He just said, it's done. It's all wiped clean. The balance is zero. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, for any one of us to pay. And the Bible says that every single one of us has fallen short, that we're all sinned, we've all fallen short, but through Jesus, God brings our balance of debt to zero. The song we sang earlier, I love it, I asked for it to be in for this one line that says, my chains are gone, my debt is paid. We need to believe that, hold on to that thing, know it, the fact, no, I'm, I'm debt free. You might be way down with a mortgage, but you are debt free to God. You are debt free in terms of your destiny, you are debt free to where you're going if you're walking with God. This is what Christmas celebrates. Can we just put the, the, the words to the carol up? Who loves this carol? It's brilliant, isn't it? Heart the herald, angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. Here we go. God and sinners reconciled. This is what Christmas is all about. God wipes the slate clean. It's a fresh start. Today's a fresh start for somebody today. That's it. God and sin is reconciled. In 2 Corinthians, it says this, all, all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. He was not counting people's sins against him. He was reconciling the world to himself. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We can bring reconciliation to others too. If you go into the message version of the Bible, which makes it a little bit more easy to understand, it just says this, 
All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him. God's already settled it. And then called us to settle our relationships with each other. Now, everything I'm saying today is about the hope. If you're a Christian, the hope that we have that Christmas is a time for celebrating, time for celebrating the birth of Jesus. And, and let's say it's a bit weird to, to like, well, we're celebrating the birth of a baby. I was thinking, who, what, is it Talladega Nights where they're praying to the dear little sweet baby Jesus? And uh, anyway, you've lost you all. But, um, but he's not just a baby. He's a saviour. It's a time for celebrating with family and friends, for pausing, for, for taking. We had busy years, and it's great to get families and friends back together. But here's the thing I want to say today. Don't just stop at celebrating Christmas. Experience it for yourself. Understand that we, that's you and me, we're all reconciled with God. Our chains have gone. My debt is paid from death to life and grace to grace. Because when I see that cross, I see freedom. All of that, we are free. We are forgiven. And above all, we are totally and utterly loved. Every single one of us. We are reconciled so that we can reconcile with others. That, it sounds really complicated because this word reconcile is not kind of like the word that you, unless you're christened an accountant, you go around using it every day. I mean, he does use it every day. I work in the next office. I can hear him just talking about, like from the other end of the office, just hearing that word reconcile. Like Chris is at it again. But, um, he's reconciling these accounts. But what it is, is that settle our relationships settle our relationships with each other. And some of you are thinking tonight as you sit here, you're going, yeah, it's all right for you, but you don't know what I've been through. You do not know what my situation is. You don't know how bad my boyfriend is. You don't know how bad my wife is. You don't know how bad my employer is. You don't know how bad my situation is. That's all absolutely true. I'm not going to argue with you. I do not know. And I also know that you can't choose the seasons of life that you have to go through, that you will have good seasons and bad seasons. But what you can do is you can choose your spirit. You can, say, you can look and think, how am I going to approach things? What's, your, what's my attitude going to be back like? Because when we step back and think about what Christmas is, it's God breaking into history and our debt's being cancelled. He reconciled us so that we can settle relationships with each other. And it's hard because I, go, I can't guarantee that you climb out of your trench and you start walking towards people. They're not going to try and shoot at you. But I want to say, give it a go. Give it a go. Let's go with faith. In January, we're going to be starting a series on faith, what it means to have strong faith. Let's believe with faith for stuff. Believe with faith for lives to be changed. Believe with faith for relationships to be repaired. In, in Bethlehem, 2018 years ago, there was war taking place there too. We had the Romans and Jews, they were arguing over, over taxes not just taxes, but other stuff. In fact, everyone pretty much with the Christmas story had a reason to be upset with someone else or something. King Herod, he was upset with the wise men because they like, let him down and kept the word. The shepherds, probably not super happy. They're on a night shift with their boss who's put us on this one. Thanks, it's Christmas after all. I'm joking. <laughs> um, Joseph and Mary, they couldn't get a room at the inn nowhere for them to stay. She's pregnant. I've been with a heavily pregnant woman. It's not fun. <laughs> and that's just for me. It's even less fun for her. She has to deal with two babies. <laughs> Joseph, he could have, he's probably not that happy. Still, here's my, 
this, this woman, she's, got, she's pregnant and like, I'm not the dad. Probably not super happy. But then God steps into the middle of the mess. But God, and he reconciled him. And just as I finish, the last bit of scripture I'm going to read is the birth of Jesus. And it's from Luke, and it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus, he issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up into the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting the child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I just want to leave that scripture up at the end. Because it says, and on earth peace. It doesn't say peace on earth. It says, but on earth peace. And you're thinking, well, why are you worrying about that? Well, there's a difference. Because as sad as it is to say, the wars will continue. But you need to know that in the middle of everything that goes on, you can still have peace. We just have to be reconciled with God. We have to come back to God. My hope tonight is that if you've not been reconciled to God, then start there tonight. Make that step. And we're going to come to that in a minute. But don't carry around burdens, feeling that you're not good enough, you don't measure up, that you, that you can never be a Christian because you're just not good enough, because none of us are good enough. It's not about us being good enough. It's about his goodness. You know, too many of us focus on ourselves and our own inability to do stuff instead of focusing on a saviour that the Bible says can do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. It says that in Ephesians, if you want to look it up. We can be reconciled to God and to others. We all have those relationships and situations that we need to get up that ladder, walk across no man's land, me included. And we've got to take that first step, lay down your weapons, focus on what unites us, and then we'll leave changed. And just as I finish, reminder again, don't just celebrate Christmas, experience it. Experience the wonder of Christmas. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 